Well, I'm glad to see you all here this morning. This worship service, as I mentioned earlier, is providing a dual function, as it will be used this Tuesday at or January the 9th, this Tuesday evening at 7 o'clock, as one of the messages that are going to be part of the Bible Doctrines to Live By Internet uh, Fourth Annual Bible Conference. So we're excited about being part of that. It's hosted by Bible Doctrines to Live By. The theme of this year's uh, Bible conference is, Does It Make Any Difference? Or in other words, how important is it that we rightly divide the word of truth? I want to add to that question is how important is it that we attend a church, a local assembly that understands rightly dividing the word of truth? And the answer to both of those questions is yes. It's important how we rightly divide the word of truth. It's important that we attend a church that understands what it means to rightly divide the word of truth. My topic that's been assigned to me for this conference is, did Peter and Paul really preach the same gospel? And what I'm hoping to demonstrate from this service, this, this time this morning, is to demonstrate from Scripture that it really, really matters which gospel we share with a lost and dying world. It has eternal consequences, folks, which gospel we proclaim in this present dispensation of the grace of God. There is the gospel of the circumcision. There is the gospel of the uncircumcision. Two different gospels. The gospel of the circumcision is related to the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the uncircumcision is related to the mystery, what Paul calls my gospel, the gospel of the grace of God. And it's imperative that we distinguish between those two messages. Both of those gospels are absolutely, positively based on the complete and finished work of Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. The gospel we preach today is absolutely based on what Christ accomplished for us. Some of the pastors, just to kind of give you an idea of how exciting this conference is going to be, some of the pastors, one of them, is going to be talking about, does it make a difference whether we preach that there is a rapture or a second coming? Is there a difference between the rapture of the church and the second coming? And you're going to find out that, yeah, boy, there is big difference. Is there a difference in how we should view Israel today than under the Old Testament? What about the church, the body of Christ, versus the kingdom church? What about the work of the Holy Spirit today? 
all of these are great topics. So let me encourage you to tune in tonight at 7, Monday, Tuesday, and well, through the 13th. Through the, yeah, and the next day is Wednesday, you're right. Uh, and tune in and be Bereans. Have your Bibles with you and be, be good Bereans as they get into that scripture. And as I mentioned, my assignment was to look at Gospels of the Scripture. Just that topic alone could be an all-week conference. And we still would barely be scratching the surface of that topic. We certainly wouldn't exhaust the topic as we talk about the different Gospels. And invariably today as I preach, I'm, I guarantee you someone, and rightfully so, and hopefully you do, because I never tire of this, someone's going to say, oh, Pastor Rick, you left out this point. And I'm going to go, oh, man, I sure did. Uh, and thank you. I'll write that down and I'll add it next time. So I don't mind doing that, but that always happens. Somebody always leaving uh, adds to it which I really do then mark that down because if that's important to you, it's going to be important to me to make sure that I include that. But today, we're only going to be scratching the surface. If you're really, really interested in this topic, and I hope you are, let me recommend two books to you. One is this book here by Bob Hill. The book is called The Big Difference Between Two Gospels. And I'm telling you, Bob Hill does a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Uh, Bob was one of my primary mentors uh, when I came into the grace message. He's now with the Lord Jesus. Uh, but one of the most scholarly men I've ever known in my life. Uh, just a big influence. So this book is published by Bible Doctrines to Live By. So uh, this would be a good book for you to get if you want to get into it a lot more in depth than what we're going to get into it this morning. The other one is by our good friend Joel Fink. And I have a couple of these, so uh, $1,000 a piece. No, we have a couple of these uh, by Joel Fink. And uh, we can order more, but I, I think I have like seven or eight of these, so if you'd like to get this. But this is Joel Fink's book uh, on the two Gospels, and both of, them, both of them are really good. This one is quicker to read than this one. I just thought I'd let you know, <laughs> let you know that. So, so let's jump right into, did Peter and Paul preach the same gospel, the same good news. As we talk about Paul, we have to make sure we understand that he was a chosen vessel, according to Acts 9, of the Lord Jesus. He was a chosen vessel. To the apostle Paul, to Saul of Tarsus, he was given a special revelation. God's Word calls it new from the Lord Jesus himself concerning this present dispensation, what God is doing today through the church, the body of Christ. Paul's going to call it my gospel 
many, many times in the Scripture. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom, and he was the one who was to offer to Israel those of the circumcision, the kingdom that the Old Testament prophets had prophesied about, had talked about. So you have Paul and Peter, Paul receiving that revelation of the mystery, Peter receiving the keys to the kingdom. So as we look at their messages, we're going to see that, yes, they preached two separate gospels, called to preach two separate gospels. And again, I recommend that book. The word gospel simply means good news or glad tidings. Good news or glad tidings. From Genesis to Revelation, there is a plethora of good news or glad tidings broadcast. From Genesis to Revelation. Folks, there's not just a single gospel proclaimed throughout the Scriptures. But, but, if you wish to be called a heretic, if that's your goal in life, if you wish to have what you teach and preach called heresy, then let me encourage you to teach what I'm about to teach you because it'll happen. Even though, even though the Scriptures teach and preach that there's more than one gospel in the Bible. And you know what we desire here at St. Louis Bible Fellowship? We desire to be biblical. We desire to be biblical. It's not the tradition of men that we're out to please. We want to preach what God's Word teaches. Now, let's get something straight from the very outset. Something incredibly important. Today, there is only one gospel that we preach, only one saving gospel. There aren't multiple gospels operating during this present dispensation of the grace of God. What we proclaim, what we preach, what we declare is the gospel that Paul calls my gospel, and that is found in 1 Corinthians 15. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 1. I'm going to make sure we identify what the gospel is today. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel. It makes it easy for us, doesn't it? Which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand. By which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ, and who did he receive that from? the Lord Jesus himself. That which I received, how that Christ died for your sins 
according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. Paul identifies the gospel that we are to believe today in order to be saved. What must I do to be saved? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. What you believe is absolutely important. You believe that he died for your sins, was buried, and rose again. And guess what happens? The moment you do that, the Holy Spirit takes you and baptizes you, places you into the body of Christ where you are sealed into the day of redemption. There is nothing else required. See, and that's where so many other churches kind of get it all muddled up because then they start trying to add this and that to it. Well, you got to do this ritual. You have to do this ceremony. You have to, from, from baptismal regeneration to all sorts of things, they start trying to add to the all-sufficiency of Christ Jesus. If you're going to blame our church for something, blame us for standing on the truth that it's Jesus Christ and Him alone that is all-sufficient to save you to the uttermost. There is absolutely nothing else required in order for you to be made complete and perfect in Christ. If we give Him the glory, we don't have to do anything different in order to make God love us more except for believe on the one who completely satisfies God the Father's righteous requirement, and that is Jesus Christ. You talk about grace. You talk about mercy. When Paul talks about my gospel, he's talking about, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. And boy, when we get into the gospel of the circumcision, the gospel uh, the gospel of the kingdom, we're going to find out that they were, there were definitely works. Matter of fact, what did Peter say in Acts chapter 2? Repent and be baptized, both works of righteousness, for the remission of sins. Right there, there's a, there's a difference. Paul tells Titus, it's not by works of righteousness that we've done, but by his mercy he saves us. See, that's what we want to stress is the all-sufficiency saving power and authority of God that he accomplished through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Yes, every, every gospel from, from the one we're getting ready to look at all the way to the last one we're going to look at, the reason that God, that all of these good tidings can be broadcast and declared is because of Christ Jesus. Everything from beginning to end, it's all because of the Lord Jesus Christ. You go into a lot of churches, there is such a hodgepodge of what they say you need to believe in order to be saved. From baptismal regeneration to some form of ritual that you do this and it's going to make God just so much happier with you, more satisfied with you, folks. He can't be any more satisfied with you than He is with you in Christ. And that's such an important doctrine that we adhere to and that we believe. I had a guy, and I probably even shouldn't take time up to, to tell you this, but I'm going to. We had a guy uh, and his wife that came 
they came years and years ago to church and sat out there and and all of a sudden they showed up one day and back upstairs and and he came up and and he was talking to me about how he's, it was so important for him to to please God and and I said, well, we should desire to serve God. And he said, I want to please God so much. I want to do what God wants me to do that, that I went and, and had myself circumcised. <laughs> well, I could, well, I, I didn't laugh out loud. But I'm telling you this. The guy couldn't have been more wrong. Well, he was more wrong because he told me that his wife, they came because his wife heard and saw in a dream that they were to use this church as their ministry uh, springboard and they were to do a television program where he was going to talk about that gospel that God had given him. And, and just so you're wondering, you've not seen high to high hair of him since then because I made sure he understood that that's not the gospel as a matter of fact, that's not even good news when you stop and think about it. So it, it's, it's absolutely imperative that we teach and preach the truth of God's Word and not get bogged down in the traditions of men, not get bogged down into mixing and blending law and grace. It's absolutely imperative that we not do that. It matters what you believe. But just because there's one gospel today does not mean that there never were other gospels. Just because there's only one today does not mean that there were never others. And those others were preached during that dispensation when it was appropriate. And there have been overlaps as some Matter of fact, that's the reason for the controversy in Acts 15 and in Galatians chapter 2. Because there was another gospel that the Judaizers were taking up to the church in Galatia, to the churches in Galatia. There were Judaizers going up and taking that gospel of the circumcision that they had to obey the law of Moses and be circumcised. They had to obey the law. They were taking that up to those Gentile Christians and saying, you can't be saved unless you do this, this, and this. And Paul said, that's not happening. It's a paraphrase. And then they went and got that issue settled. The first gospel that believers or that theologians point back to is in Genesis chapter 3, Genesis chapter 3, look at verse 15. Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. It's called the Proto-Evangelium. The, the Pronto, the Proto-Evangelium. I pray I got that right. But anyway, that's how I pronounce it. Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. 
Now, for Adam and Eve, that was good news. For Satan, that God was actually talking to then, that was not good news. But for us, it was good news. It was God declaring that he was going to fix the problem that had just occurred. I will put enmity between your seed and his seed, and his seed is going to bruise your head, which is a mortal wound, and you're going to bruise his heel, which is not. That was good news. That was good news. That good news if can be tied to, I believe, Revelation. Revelation being the last book of the Bible, Genesis being the first book of the Bible. In Genesis, it talks about that judgment on Satan, that he's going to finalize that issue, that crisis. And in Revelation chapter 14, verse, let's start with verse 6. Revelation chapter 14, verse 6, And I saw another angel fly in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting or the eternal gospel, to preach unto them that dwell on the earth and to every nation and kindred and tongue and people. And I can't tell you how many different preachers and people I have heard say, well, that's, just, that's the same gospel that Paul preached. Uh, you know how you prove that it wasn't? Because the very next verse tells you what the good news was. See, the Scriptures, God's Word so wonderful. The Scriptures tell us exactly what that eternal gospel is, and I think it's connected back to Genesis 3. As a matter of fact, if there is one single gospel from Genesis to Revelation, it, I think it's tied to this here. Revelation 14, 6, talking about the everlasting gospel. He's preaching it to those on the earth saying... Tell us, he's telling us what that eternal gospel, that everlasting gospel is. Saying with a loud voice, fear God and give glory to Him for the hour of His judgment is come. That's exactly what He told the devil back in Genesis 3. For the hour of His judgment is come and worship Him that made heaven and earth and the sea and the fountains of water. That's an everlasting gospel. Everlasting good news is that God is a God of judgment. He is a just God, and He is going to fix the issue. And by the way, He has in Christ Jesus. That issue is going to be fixed. So you have the everlasting gospel, and it tells us exactly what that is. They were preaching the everlasting gospel, fear God. But as you study the scriptures, there's the gospel of God. There's the gospel of Christ, which is tied to the gospel of the grace of God. There's the gospel of the uncircumcision, which we've already talked about, is tied to the gospel of the kingdom. There's the gospel of the grace of God, which is tied to the gospel of the uncircumcision. There's the gospel, again, I can't tell you how many preachers have said, 
Well, but Abraham heard about the death, burial, and resurrection. The gospel was preached to him way back then. So, preacher, you don't know what you're talking about. And I said, boy, can you show me verse? I, 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 I want to get this right. So show me verse. And, well, let's go to Galatians chapter 3. And they'll take you to Galatians chapter 3. Starting with verse 6, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen or the Gentiles through faith preached before the gospel unto Abraham. But it doesn't stop there, does it? It tells us exactly what was preached to Abraham, saying, and aren't the scriptures wonderful? Man, he just, there's no reason for us to stay ignorant on these issues. Saying, in thee shall all the nations be blessed. You talk about good news. To Abraham, to Abram, and that's what he believed, and that was what was accounted to him for righteousness. That was the gospel he believed. Unto thee shall all the families, all the nations be blessed. Then Paul talks about the fact that it was my gospel. Look at Romans chapter 16. So what, what is his gospel? We've already talked about that. He's already said what his gospel was. He told us what it was. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And that's what we have to believe. But Paul calls it my gospel. In Romans chapter 16, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ. My, my gospel. Look at 2 Timothy. Look at 2 Timothy. Chapter 2. Verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David, and he was. Nobody's arguing that he was of the seed of David. He was of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. So there's something about Paul's message. There's something about what he was told by the Lord Jesus Christ by a special revelation to share with the church, the body of Christ. He calls it my gospel. Look at Galatians chapter 1. And you can kind of... Sit there in Galatians chapter 1, because we're going to come back to that in a second. But Galatians chapter 1, verse 11. But I certify you, brethren, that the gospel was preached of me is not after man. In other words, he didn't get it from the twelve. He didn't get it from anyone other than, verse 12, for I neither received it of man, neither was I taught it, but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. Making a distinction between what the twelve preached and what was committed to him in order to preach. In Acts 20, verse 24. And by the way, 
I didn't, I didn't think about that last week when we went to Psalms, I mean, Proverbs 20, 24, as a way to usher in uh, 2024, but this is a good way for our church, and I wish I could take credit for this, but Valerie Winalda, who watches us, she's the one that said, my brother Ben, he shared this with us, so way to go, Ben, but Acts 20, 24, Paul talks about his gospel, that what was committed to him was the gospel of the grace of God, and he was going to finish his course. He was going to carry that out, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God, the good news, the grace of God. That's at the heart of Paul's gospel, the gospel that we are to preach as the church, a body of Christ. Look at Ephesians. Look at Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. Start with verse, well, 19. He's asking the church in Ephesus to pray for him. Pray for all the saints. Verse 19, and for me that utterance may be given to me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. Do you realize there's a hidden secret to the gospel? There's a hidden secret. There, what, what is that hidden secret of the gospel that the Apostle Paul is to be the one that's going to receive that message, that revelation, in order to answer? Well, he'd already answered it in Ephesians chapter 3. Look at Ephesians chapter 3. Let's start with verse 1. I, we've read this a few times here. But Ephesians chapter 3, verse 1, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ, for you Gentiles, if you've heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you read you may understand my knowledge of the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not known unto the sons of men. So whatever it is about this mystery, this hidden secret, was not made known in the other ages. The Old Testament prophets didn't preach it. They didn't teach it. They didn't know about it. And neither did the apostles. I'm going to show that in a second. As it is now, and what does the word now mean? Now, you guys are so sharp. As it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. These are the prophets and the apostles that were uh, functioning and alive at that time. And what is that? What is that secret to the mystery? What is that mystery? Verse 6, that the Gentiles, if you're a Gentile, right, okay, yeah, you're right that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs of the same body or the joint body and partakers of his promise in Christ by the gospel. He's already told you what his gospel was. And that promise was eternal life. 
That's, that's, that was the promise of, that we might be partakers of that promise. It's in Titus chapter 1 where he talks about that promise that he's made, that he made. And you know what's interesting about that? It says that it was a promise that God made before the foundation of the world. Well, who did he make it to? Himself. That he was going to save each and every one of you. That he was going to, he was, so that in the ages to come, you might show forth the exceeding riches of his grace. Oh, God is so faithful to do that. So that, all of that is part of that gospel, Paul's gospel, that by special revelation, he was given to the Lord Jesus Christ, by the Lord Jesus Christ, that was committed unto him, that gospel of the uncircumcision of the Gentiles, where Peter, the gospel of the circumcision. So in light of all the different scripture that identify different proclamations of God news, we had better identify and place them where they belong, and to whom they belong, or you might be proclaiming what a person needs to, be, to do in order to be saved in an erroneous manner. In other words, if Marcia were to come up and say, Pastor, what must I do to be saved? If I were to tell her, you need to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. Would I be telling her what she needed to do to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Let me answer that for you, no. If I were to tell her, as Christ told the rich young ruler, if she came and said, well, she wouldn't say, Master, talking to me, right? But she might say, Pastor, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Am I going to say, well, Marcia, first of all, you need to sell everything you have. And you need to do, you need to do what the law tells you to do. Well, I have just told her how she is to have eternal life. No. See, at different times, and it, there was a message. There was, and, and again, if, if you really want to go in detail, get, get Bob's book, The Big Difference, because it talks in such detail, and, and it, just, it just puts it out there for us to be able to understand. But if Marcia were to come, and she's already done this, by the way, so... What must I do to be saved? And I said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. And she says, Lord, I believe. I believe the gospel. I believe you died for me. I believe you were buried. I believe you rose again. Would she be made a new creation in Christ? That moment sealed into the day of redemption. An inheritor of all that Christ Jesus inherits. Wow, what a plan of salvation. That's the good news that Paul was given in order to proclaim what we must do to be saved. What you believe is important. That's one of the reasons why in Galatians chapter 1, Paul got so upset over what those Judaizers were doing. That's why it was such a big deal 
about the fact that somebody was preaching a gospel to those in Galatia that they should not have been preaching. And Paul says, let them be accursed. He said it twice. Again, I say to you, let them be accursed. Look at Galatians chapter 1. This is important. Galatians chapter 1. Verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you unto the grace of Jesus Christ unto another gospel. Well, there, he's telling us that there's another gospel. Verse 7, which is not another. Wait a minute. Which is it? Is it another gospel or is it not another gospel? Well, he just said it. I'm so soon you're removed from him that called you unto this grace, unto another gospel. They were believing something else that they should not have believed. This, which is not another gospel, he's warning them, this is not for you. This is not something you Gentiles, this is not the gospel you are to believe. This is the gospel of the circumcision. This is the gospel that those from Jerusalem from the kingdom church, were taking up to the Gentiles and telling them, Acts 15, read all about it, and telling them, you've got to be circumcised, you've got to obey the law of Moses. That was good news under the kingdom program. That's exactly what they had to do under the kingdom program. Go to Acts chapter 21, and because we're running out of time, I'm not going to go there. But you go to Acts 21, where Paul goes to Jerusalem, and there is James, who is teaching and preaching. He is over the kingdom church there, and he tells Paul to look at all these thousands of Jews who believed, and they're all zealous of what? The law. They're zealous of the law. What was James continuing to preach? The law. What's part of the law? Circumcision. He was teaching. He was preaching. And he even says to Paul, Paul, I need for you to do something because there's a whole bunch of people here who've heard that you're coming and they've also heard that you've told our people, you've told people not to... uh, obey the law of Moses and not to be circumcised to make that to the issues see so they were still carrying out that there so you had two gospels overlapping running simultaneously because the kingdom hope had not been withdrawn Jerusalem the temple had not been destroyed it was about to be and God was doing something among the Gentiles and the Jews by grace. If a Gentile believed, he was made part of the body of Christ. If the Jew outside the land heard Paul's gospel and believed, they were made part of the body of Christ. That's the joint body made up of believing Jew, believing Gentile. Today, if a Jew believes... They become part of the body of Christ. There's, there's, if you, 
they talk about, and I don't understand this, they talk about, well, he is a completed Jew. I'm a completed Gentile. That gives him no more standing before a holy, righteous God than the blood of the Lord Jesus gives me as a Gentile. When a Jew believes today, but know this, they are temporarily blinded. God is not working through the nation of Israel today. He's working through the church, the body of Christ. He's going to work again through the church, uh, through Israel, during the tribulation. And the gospel of the kingdom is going to be preached again. But you do a careful study of this Galatians chapter 1. What Paul is saying when he says this is not another gospel. It's just like this, this gospel does not have the same ranking as the gospel that I preached unto you. That this gospel is not for you. Because that's what the Galatians were really wanting. They, they were wanting, like so many churches today, just let me do something to show how spiritual I am. Let me do something to show how holy I am. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? Wherefore, whose eyes Jesus Christ have been evidently set forth crucified among you. Look at Galatians 4. What were they... What were they believing? What were they wanting to believe? Look at Galatians chapter 4, verse 9. And I think after we're done with Matthew, those of you that attend Wednesday night Bible study, I think we're going to do a study in Galatians. And we're going to do a study because it is so important that we understand this, this book. But verse 9, But now after that you have known God, or rather known of God, how turn you again to the weak and beggarly elements Whereof you desire again to be in bondage? See, that was the message that the, the Judaizers were sharing. Those of the circumcision that were preaching the gospel of the circumcision, that's what they were trying to get these Gentiles to do. Go back under the bondage. Verse 10, you observe days and months and times and years. I'm afraid for you. I'm afraid of you. Lest I have bestowed upon you labor in vain. Galatians chapter 2, really important, because this really starts the message. Because we need to understand what's taking place here in Galatians chapter 2, starting with verse 1. Then 14 years ago, I went up again to Jerusalem and with Barnabas and took Titus with me also. And I went up by revelation, God told him. And communicated unto them that gospel signifying a different gospel. I'm going to go tell them about that gospel which I preach among the Gentiles, but privately to them which were of reputation. Talking about the apostles. Hey, these were important people. Lest by any means I should run or had run in vain. But neither Titus, who was with me, being a Greek, was compelled to be circumcised. And that because of false brethren unawares brought in who came to privately to spy out our liberty which we have in Jesus Christ. Folks, that's the bottom line of the gospel of the grace of God. That liberty that we have in Christ. That they might bring us unto bondage to whom we, have, to, to whom we gave place by subjection. No, not an hour. 
that the truth of the gospel might continue with you. But of those who seem to be somewhat, whatsoever they were, it makes no matter to me. God accepts no man's person. For they who seem to be somewhat in conference added nothing to me. I went up there to tell them the truth, but they didn't add anything to me. But contrarywise, when they saw that the gospel of the uncircumcision was committed unto me as the gospel of the circumcision was to Peter, there you go, folks. If I ever write a book, it's going to be prepositions matter. And I can't tell you, that's the reason I use King James, because they get the prepositions right. And other reasons too, but they really get the prepositions right. How many of you have a Bible that says Paul was going to take the gospel to the uncircumcision and Peter was going to take the gospel to, that preposition to, to the circumcision. Preposition, this is in the genitive case. Being in the genitive case, that needs to be translated of signifying a different, two different gospels. The gospel of circumcision, the gospel of uncircumcision. Right there, it makes it clear. And we know which one in this present dispensation of the grace of God we are to preach. To me, the gospel of the circumcision and to Peter, for he that wrought effectively in Peter to the apostleship of the circumcision, the same was mighty in me toward the Gentiles. Two different gospels. Folks, this is so important when you stop and you think about what Peter was preaching to the circumcision. Who are the circumcision? They were the Jews. They were looking for that kingdom to be established on earth. Real quick, i gotta, I, I got to get into this. That gospel of conveys belonging. It conveys content. It was content of message. It's not who it's going to. It's what was going to be preached to those of the circumcision versus what's being preached to those of the uncircumcision. Two different Gospels. Those of the circumcision was Peter. You go and read First and Second Peter. It's to the scattered, the scattered of Israel. You go to the book of James. It is to the 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 twelve tribes of Israel. You go to the book of John. It's to the elect lady. All of their the general epistles are to the Israel under that program. And Peter with his repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. James, and maybe one of these days I'm going to preach on this because we probably need time to do this. The book of James, fortunately it tells us it was written to the 12 tribes. In the book of James, which is absolutely contradictory to what the apostle Paul says, the apostle, the, the, the James, who is not an apostle, this one, James says that faith without works is dead. And then he goes on to say, you see then how a man is justified not by faith only, but by works. Folks, you can try to jump through hoops. You can make that try to, you can try to do all sorts of Greek mysteries with that. And it's still going to come down to the whole issue being there were two gospels. 
that James was preaching. And under the gospel of the circumcision, James was absolutely right. Under the gospel of the circumcision, Peter is exactly right. Real quick, let me show you what I'm talking about. Matthew 24. Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 13. Christ is talking about the tribulation. Preparing the apostles for the tribulation. Verse 13, But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Well, in Matthew chapter 10, verse 23, it says that once that tribulation starts, that the apostles aren't going to have time to go to all the cities of Israel before the end comes. So that in itself tells you that it's, there's a different message, a different time going to a different, a different people. But this gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom, we're not going to take time to read all the verses associated with the good news of the kingdom, those prophesied promises to Israel, those blessings that were to come to Israel. If you want to read the scriptures that talk about that, then let me encourage you to read the Old Testament. I mean, I've got a whole bunch of scriptures right here. Isaiah 65, 18 through 25. Jeremy, thir- uh, Jeremy, Jeremy, Jeremiah 31, 31. Jeremiah 23, 3. I'll talk about the good news concerning Israel's tie to the land and the promises that God was making to Israel. The good news of the kingdom. Those scriptures just lay it out. That's what Israel was hoping for, a kingdom on earth, a king, Jesus the Messiah, a land, the throne of David, the land of Jerusalem given to them. That is the good news of the kingdom. Look at Matthew 10 real quick. I'm going to let you go here and just, and if you're visiting with us, thank you for being here. But look at Matthew chapter 10. Just to make sure you understand there is a difference between what these apostles were preaching and what Paul was preaching. Matthew chapter 10 verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them saying, go not unto the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not. Christ himself said in Matthew 15, I came only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What does that mean? What does that mean? Well, if you rightly divide the word, you'll understand. If you don't, you're not. But he says, go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel, and as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. What is the good news of the kingdom? What is the gospel of the kingdom? The kingdom is at hand. Why was the kingdom at hand? Because the king was there, and he was sending them out. And as you go, you, you, you clean, clean, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers. You do all of that. Don't, don't take any money with you. You just go and, and you preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Look at Luke 9. Luke chapter 9. 
Luke chapter 9. The 12 were sent to preach. Same exact story. Verse 3, Christ says to them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor scrip, neither bread, neither money, neither have two coats apiece. He sent them out. Verse 6, And they departed and went through the towns preaching the gospel. Preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Which gospel were they preaching? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That was good news. The gospel of the kingdom is all that God is going to do when Christ Jesus rules and reigns on earth. That's the message during the tribulation. That is what they are going to be believing, that gospel of the kingdom. All of those signs, I believe, those signs and miracles and wonders that took place at the very beginning of Pentecost, I think they're going to have other demonstrations of that power during that time when the church, the body of Christ, we're gone, folks. We're, we're out of here. Those of us who have believed the gospel of the grace of God, those who have believed that Christ died for our sins, was buried, and rose again. Yeah, but that's the same gospel. The death bur- They went to these cities, and they preached the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Okay, real quick, Luke 18. Luke 18, verse 31. Then he took unto him the twelve, and he said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem, and all things that are written by the prophets concerning the Son of Man shall be accomplished. For he shall be delivered unto the Gentiles, and shall be mocked, and spitefully entreated, and spit on, and they shall scourge him, and put him to death, and the third day he shall rise again. And they said, Yeah, Lord, we know that's, that's the gospel that we've been preaching all this time. Verse 34, and they understood none of these things. Folks, there is a difference in Gospels. There is a difference in what we proclaim in this present dispensation of the grace of God, and it is simply this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved. What do you believe? Is that he died for you, He was buried for you, and he rose again for you. You add anything to that, you are slapping the complete and finished work of Christ right in the face and saying, God, I've got to add something to make you love me more. And folks, he loves you with a perfect love in Christ. And one of the reasons we're going to look at Galatians is because... uh, Paul goes on to tell that church in Galatia that was wanting to add all the, the bondage and the circumcision and all the things that, that the gospel of the circumcision bore out. Uh, he basically said, okay, you want to be saved by the law? You've got to do the whole law. Good luck with that. You can't do it. So what we need is by faith to trust in Christ Jesus knowing that in him all who believe are sealed until the day of redemption. You are made to sit in the heavenlies with him right now. You are made joint heirs with Christ. My hope is not earthly. 
It's not for an earthly kingdom. My hope is seated in the heavenlies with Christ, which is a big difference in the Gospels that are preached. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we come before you and we thank you for how clear your word is. Father, may we be students. May we not just accept what tradition has has poured out over the years, but may we be the Bereans you'd have us to be and study the Scriptures to see if these things be so. Father, I pray this morning that not a single person here will believe what I've said without checking it for themselves, checking your word. Father, may there not be a person here that believes the grace message because the pastor believes it. May there not be a person here that believes the grace message because it's our church's doctrinal statement. But Father, may they believe it because they know it to be true from the Word of God. May we all be students studying these things, rightly dividing the Word of truth. Now, Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning that does not know you as Savior, that they will not leave this building here today without settling that all-important issue, and that's by faith believing. And we pray all these things in Christ's holy and most precious name.